Carlo? How are you, sir? Can you hear me, Janko? I can. Come on, Twitter. Yes, up, welcome to Lawline, Janko. What's up, dude? How are yeah, you? I can, I'm here. I'm good, how are you? I was listening to Claire and Farouk. Yeah, I caught some of that. I was on the run today, I had court. Got a that lot pesky of court. court stuff. I have a lot of court, Janko. Fun or playing on the blockchain, not gonna lie. Did you? Oh, I'm looking, you did pin that up there. There was some activity in that Celsius stuff. Yeah, let me go ahead and jump into our disclaimer and introduction, and then we'll talk about some of the stuff that's uh, unraveling. So, welcome to Lawline with Carlo and Jenko. We bring this in conjunction with Rug Radio. Lawline is a show where we talk about current events in blockchain, NFT, and Web3 legal. Nothing we discuss here should be considered legal or financial advice. If you have a particular legal question or concern, you should seek out the advice of a lawyer who's licensed to practice in your jurisdiction, and you should do that confidentially, not on a recorded Twitter space, because yes, this space is being recorded, and we may rebroadcast this on other platforms. So with that being said, welcome to everyone who's joining us today. And one of the things that I pinned, Jenko, is... Celsius had their first appearance in bankruptcy court yesterday. And in that appearance, they laid out a roadmap for what they believe is a plan to try to repay individuals whose accounts were frozen. And they sort of lay out in that PDF document, which is part of my tweet. Anyone can look at it. It was filed public record, uh, sort of the timeline and the justification for why they froze assets. So it's, it's an interesting look into the mindset of the company and to what efforts they're uh, willing to put forth at this point to try to recover investor assets. I think it's litigation season. I tweeted last night, Jenko, that we had <laughs> DeFi summer in 20, NFT summer in 21, and I think maybe this is litigation season 2022 I'd, I'd like to have pablo come up he seems to know about this stuff i'm curious how quickly like operationally the ship is going down the market is abruptly changing you're trying to deal with this with the debts and keep things balanced at what point do they start preparing for this appearance and how many hours kind of go into like getting this, getting to this point, like when, like, I don't know how they squeezed all this work in. It seemed like just a week or two ago, it was very, very chaotic and up in the air. Um, so I, I'd love to know the behind the scenes process. there. Yeah. I invited uh, our collective lawyer group, including Carlos, who gave some pretty good commentary on uh, on that tweet, he actually retweeted it. And uh, you know, one of the interesting issues, <clears throat> one of the interesting things I see in that PDF is their their timeline 
for why they believe they had to shut down and lock out investors. And their timeline suggests that they did that in response to a downturn in the cryptocurrency market, which I guess then triggered a massive run on the platform for people to get their money out. And I'm curious to see how that's going to play out in court. And I'm quoting specifically from their timeline, Jenko. Crypto market headwinds, including Luna collapse, cause collateral value decrease and rapid customer withdrawals. And then Celsius pauses withdrawals, swaps and transfers between accounts due to extreme market conditions. How's that sound to you, Jenko? I... It's it's consistent with the terms and conditions that they, they literally said this. Like some folks pointed it out that this is where they would end up before they ended up there. Um, would it be fraudulent? Would it be something to unwind if they didn't pause the withdrawals and there were kind of debts to superior holders? I don't know what kind of sticky situation you can get into when you kind of classify deposit accounts in the way that they did and characterize it the way they did, because if they're subordinate, then they need to be treated as such. And maybe there's a fiduciary duty. They could argue that, that they had to do such a thing. So it's not very user friendly, but I think that's what happens. Like I'd rather the bad business models get flushed out and lose then kind of be sustained, but they're just the underwork, the, the underlying piping is fraudulent or kind of risky, or the users are just kind of like this could have su sustained and they could have onboarded millions of more users to this platform that was a house of cards. So I just, well, I, I think yeah, that's... It, it evolves things in a positive way over time. Hey. It's an interesting conversation, Jenko. And one of the things I think they proposed, I, I'm not sure if I saw it in the PDF or I read it in the reporting, but they're trying to encourage holders to hang in there. They have some next steps in the PDF, which include <laughs> preserve value while negotiating a comprehensive restructuring transaction with stakeholders Use Bitcoin minted by mining operations to help fund mining operations and grow Bitcoin. Consider asset sales and third-party investment opportunities. File and confirm Chapter 11 plan that will provide customers with the option at the customer's election to recover either cash at a discount or remain, and this is the thing that was interesting that I pulled out of it, and remain, quote, long so remain I mean, long on crypto. Are, it's like a, a 10K roadmap. It's like just very broad. I don't know. I, I also like like slide one had like a design element to it. And I I don't know how that is that the usual course. I never kind of looked through these things in such detail. But like it almost was overly produced for my taste. But that might have come off to, just to me. Um, weird. 
It's an effective visual aid for courtroom presentation. It's a good summary, but I think Carlos, uh, our, our resident bankruptcy lawyer, um, who just popped in, I think he was dealing with some client matters. Maybe he can come up, but he was kind of talking about, yeah, welcome, Carlos. You're the man. Thank you. I'm bringing Carlos up. He was commenting in the, in the tweet thread about how, you know, the sausage gets made here and how the judge now has to sort of set a, a payment and a plan for trying to restore investor funds. Carlos, we've been talking about the PDF attachment and the timeline and the justification for freezing the accounts and then the portion of the plan going forward for how to sort of encourage investors to hang in there and go long on crypto in the hope of recouping instead of pennies on the dollar, I don't know, maybe recoup their entire investment. How do you see this playing out in your in your experience as a bankruptcy litigator? Yeah, thanks, Carlo and uh, Ray, for bringing me up. Um, it's funny when I see this, man, because at the end of the day, they presented literally a three-line deck page that says how they intend to come out of bankruptcy. And I looked at this, I was like, you know, honestly, this is the type of shit that I just kind of throw up at the wall just to appease the judge. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because when they first start saying, oh, we're, we're going to, if you want cash, we're going to give you cash at a reduced value. To me, that's what unsecured creditors are getting anyway. They're getting pennies on the dollar. So I, I didn't see anything different, right? So they're basically saying you either get pennies on a dollar or you got to stick with us long term. I mean, that's... You can stay long. Right. That's how I kind of saw it, right? So, I mean, and, you know, between us and Twitter space, right, this is what we kind of do in the Chapter 11 space, right? We kind of... Chapter 11 space is confusing as it is, right? So, You're nudging toward a reorganization. Right. This isn't a liquidation. Right, exactly. You're nudging toward like, hey, we could still... It's it's like a new Correct. business plan, a new plan. Yeah. And, and they can't really say much at this juncture because it's too early to tell, right? They're talking about they're getting money from mining rigs. Uh, I mean, that's... It's, it's crazy. They're mining Bitcoin to pay off. They're like, just give us... Right, Let's right, mine. exactly. <laughs> but what about the cost to keep up those mining rigs, the secured creditors that they owe money to what on these mining rigs? What if there's extreme market conditions Right, exactly. What if the Bitcoin goes to 10 10k i mean i'm gonna lose all my money but celsius is definitely going to liquidate after that i mean i just don't i just don't see how listen i'm trying to i'm trying to keep optimistic right because there's a lot of money at stake there's a lot of people that you know their retirement savings were were pretty much drained out and everybody's scrambling nobody knows what's going to happen right i mean even the custodial uh deposits i mean they were pretty much you know, they were rugged for sure because none of them read those terms of service, right? I mean, if, if there's anything to learn from the situation is read those terms of service because clarity Celsius just at the bar. You can invest money and this money can can be gone. It doesn't even have to be yours anymore. Is the crux of why the money is gone because they went in and made a conscious decision to pay off more superior um holders in order to try and stave off a collapse is that how it went down see and that's the tricky part right and i think that um 
think Ray, you mentioned this in a chat, I think uh, last week about preferential payments, right? And to a certain extent, I think you were right, right? When you go off and pay certain creditors to try to get some of those assets back, uh, that's not improper, right? But um, when, you know, that that's a normal preference, right? Preferential action, try to get money, what we'd refer to as a clawback, right? You can get, um, if you can meet certain elements, uh, you can get money back, uh, any money that Celsius paid out within 90, 90 days to a year, if it's an insider, right? Meaning an affiliate or an executive board member or stuff like that. Um, and then there's other things called the fraudulent transfers, right? So um, that deals more with actual and constructive fraud, right? So actual being that if you knew that your company was insolvent and you transferred this money anyway, um, then that can be reversed. And constructive being, or I'm sorry, you intended to delay or hinder uh, by transferring assets, then it's actual fraud. And constructive fraud being if you knew that you were insolvent and you decided to pay off certain debt to try to get some assets back, then then the argument could be made that this is a fraudulent transfer. I mean, we'll all we're going to see this all play out, right? Um, in bankruptcy, this is pretty straightforward when you're dealing with uh, tangible assets. I mean, this is a whole new thing for for you know when we're talking about digital assets and cryptocurrencies. I mean, now Carlos, I, let's pivot to the other thing that I pinned, which is the fortune story about the three AC bankruptcy, and right. talking about the the cloud hanging over that, where you have founders that are kind of absent at this point from the conversation, and right. then you have this bombshell reporting that they bought a yacht. Um, <laughs> to try and show the community that they were a stable platform. And even Vitalik chimed in on this and expressed some disgust as far as, well, there's better ways to show your community your, your solvent than to go buy a gigantic mega yacht. Right. Oh yeah. It's re it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. And, and this well, goes I mean, along with this, these fraudulent transfers that I'm talking about. Right. And at the end of the day, man, you, you know, take a step back here for a second. I actually made those comments to Fortune. I was talking to Fortune Magazine last week because uh, they reached out to me through, right through uh, a buddy of ours, Josh, uh, Josh uh, Lita, who connected me with Fortune because they wanted comments as to what would happen, you know, uh, would the founders be criminally liable for any actions. And I basically broke it down and said, you know, I gave them the fraudulent transfer that I just kind of briefly touched on and, you know, if there is fraud here like this, using, you know, funds to basically um, as if it were your own personal bank account. I mean, if you want to make the argument that you're trying to demonstrate that the company is solvent by buying yourself a yacht, I mean, I think that's the stupidest thing that anyone can ever do, right? Uh, if I had a client tell me that, I would make him return that shit like immediately. Like, give that shit right back. Like, I don't care what you do. Give that money back because... I mean, it's just a ridiculous thing. When I saw you post that yesterday, I was like, oh, my God. I mean, this is like it's all coming to a head. It's all coming to fruition. Right. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a great look. And look, I'm a big advocate of the presumption of innocence. And, you know, we don't know there's always two sides. And I keep an open mind. We all do. But from 
an advisory perspective as a lawyer, if a client were to come to you in this sort of a financial crisis with this much scrutiny and a bankruptcy looming, would this be the advisable course of action to try to demonstrate to your community, let's say, that you are a good, stable investment? No, man. Absolutely not, man. At that point, when when you're speaking to a bankruptcy attorney, I mean, at that point, you're already insolvent. I'm just going to assume that you, in, you are insolvent. And everything needs to stop right then and there. Right? That's what I usually tell my clients. Right? You need to... You need to, um, you know, uh, cut off the, uh, the the bleeding, basically, right? And I'm, I'm actually surprised that it took Celsius that long to kind of take action. Um, but, I, I mean, who, who wants to file bankruptcy, right? I mean, it, it seems like they took them about two months just to, uh, just to file the bankruptcy because we knew at least there were hints that they were already insolvent by May. Of, of this year, right? And it took them until June, July, what, July 5th to file the bankruptcy? Right? Yeah, so, there, may be some, there may be some internal cognitive dissonance or failure to confront the realities. I want to bring Ruben up, uh, but I think, and before we bring Ruben up, I think this kind of speaks to the universal problem we constantly see in this space, which is that it seems a lot of these messes could be avoided if if these things were properly planned and thought out, and if lawyers had a little more involvement in the conversation, um, it, it's it's troubling because this is such a. I mean, I've I've heard so many people in this space talk about three AC and the promising things that they were you know talking about building in this space, and there's a lot of trust there. And now you've got you've got two problems. One. You've got silence from the from the core team, it seems, and then you've got these these revelations in this fortune story, which which don't play out very well in the public, uh, in in the court of public opinion. Let's say, Ruben, right. we brought you up. What are your thoughts? And and Carlos, thank you, thank you for taking time to join yeah, us. Yeah, man, no no problem. If I got I may have to jump on in about eight minutes. I got a client meeting, but you know, happy I can't even imagine. Anywhere. I can't I even mean, imagine I mean, how busy it's you, you're probably see, super busy. It's sad to see. It's sad that to truly see, honestly, is. man. I mean, I I honestly became a bankruptcy attorney to help people, and it's just a shame what's happening out here in the space. Yeah, it's not a good look. It's not a good look at all overall. And from those looking from the outside in who are continuously <laughs> banging the drum for regulation, including Senator Warren's letter, which I'm also going to pin, you know, she's putting a lot of pressure on the SEC to explain what they plan to do to protect investors and it's events like this that sort of justify her concerns, it seems. So thank you, Carlos. And I understand completely. I can't right. even imagine how busy you must be. So thank you for jumping in. Ruben, welcome. Yeah, no thank problem. Thank you for joining us. Hey there, guys. Um, I'm, I'm just reminded of um, an Antiguan law, which says that uh, if, you, if you pay the, the sovereign nation of Antigua about 5,000 U.S. dollars, they will register your super yacht as an Antiguan vessel, um, which uh, is not seizable in a bankruptcy scenario. So, uh, you know, who's to say whether or not that's related? But uh, just thought it was interesting that they may be <laughs> putting assets into. I wonder where that, that that yacht is registered. Well, it was a down payment on a yacht that was never delivered, right? I think is the story. 
I think oh, they okay. bought it from an Italian yacht maker. If I'm, I think um, it was an Italian yacht maker. I just maker. want to go back to to what Carlos said. We want to be careful. Like, first of all, three AC and the the Celsius are vastly different kind of situations, but they all kind of are lumped in easily. But it's not a failure. Like they, I'm not saying anyone in any particular circumstance, but bankruptcy, like going long on full leverage and being super aggressive during a bear with the full knowledge that bankruptcy is part of the rules of the game is like a viable strategy to many folks. So it's not, I don't, I mean, when you talk about like some of the spending at the end or whatever, that's one thing, but I think that seeing bankruptcy or reorganization or kind of as part of the game, as part, as a possible outcome that you can leverage your lawyers and, and team members to kind of navigate, it changes the calculus and it kind of increases the aggress the aggressive kind of business tactics. I, I think that that's, we can't see a bankruptcy filing as a failure when it's, sometimes just a, a, a more probable outcome given the aggressiveness and they just take it into the calculus and they're like, that's fair. We'll take that probability. Is that fair to say, like, Carlos, do you, do you see that with clients? Like, is that on the front end instead of, well, we don't want to be so aggressive in risk taking some lawyers would be right in the room and say, okay, here are the risks. But what happens is we deal with a reorganization and I put this, you know, PDF together and it gets filed and, that can be part of the business plan. Yeah, and I and I think you're right at to a certain extent. You know, um, chapter 11s in comparison to the other types of chapter or chapter seven, chapter 13, those are the most uh, popular ones. The chapter 11, I mean, they have a low uh, low probability rate to reorganize as it is. So usually, when I have these clients come to me, I immediately start. Uh, basically looking at their books and records, evaluating what, what their income looks like, right? If they're operating as a going concern, then their probability to reorganize is high. Um, but if they've been underwater operating at loss for the last few months, more than likely we know where this case is going, right? Unless they get uh, post-petition financing, which I think that uh, Celsius also proposed that they could be looking for investments, right? Um, so, I mean, it, again, it's too early to tell, right? It's, this case is literally no, 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 uh, no older than a few weeks old. Um, but at least what we do know is, is that, um, any custody deposits are no longer the customer's deposits and that all that money belongs to Celsius and they can do whatever they want with it, Right. They have rigs that they are claiming could operate at a profit and that, you know, they'll use those profits to continue <laughs> operations and, and I, you'd be tr- grabbing the rigs if you were a creditor, right? Like, oh, yeah. That's, a, that's an asset. Right. Absolutely. And, and mind you, the, they have to pay for these rigs ongoing, right? So those, <laughs> yeah, uh, those, like- those parties that are secured by those rigs, right, they have to be adequately protected. 
right? So they have to be paid on a monthly basis. So it could be that Celsius maybe didn't pay them. And obviously I'm just spitballing here. Maybe they didn't pay them, but ongoing post-bankruptcy, they have to pay them. So they have to demonstrate that they have the ability to not only pay for your ongoing expenses, but also have money left over to pay back creditors, right? So that's to the keep crux that of, model right. going, it has Correct. to be net positive. Correct. At all and, and you both at all and you both you both bring up an outstanding point, which I think is worth repeating, because we live in a capitalist society in the United States, and we don't have a debtor's prison. And it's not that any anyone should be passing judgment on their decision to file bankruptcy because the law allows it. And I know, Carlos, you'd be the first to defend that because it's part of the entrepreneurial spirit. We have corporations to insulate people from private liability, and we have bankruptcy to try and shield companies when they go through these restructurings because that is necessary in order to build. In order to safely build ambitious things like 3AC and Celsius did, which let's, let's remind the entire space, this is an innovative space. This is a new technology. So we're not quick to pass judgment here, and we, we, we let the courts hash it out. But I think what's become, what's attracted the media to this is the post-bankruptcy behavior in certain aspects. So it's not necessarily the filing of the bankruptcy, which is a condemning act. It's, it's fair play, like you said, Janko. You said that beautifully. Right. It's part of the strategy of companies to anticipate and to absorb that possibility. I think what's, what's been troubling and why the media has honed in on this so much is because we have a very bad market and then we have this post-bankruptcy behavior, which has been alleged, which I think is cast in a pretty unfavorable light. Would that be fair right. to say? Absolutely. But what's the next move? Because at some point, if you say, okay, that's the mistake, we need to stop what happened here from happening again, it may really box in where this industry lands. It may really because, stop what right. DeFi can look like. It may really stop right. what any of these applications look like because at some point, and I don't want to say kind of buyer beware, but at some point, if we're if we educate the market enough where it's like that's not a good product because they're taking your money, leveraging it up, and making big bets on the most volatile risk right. on asset class in the world. So like if if instead of outlawing that, like the market rejects that, it will it will be a lot better for innovation, I I'd like to think. Because Jenko yeah, you, I, I just, you yeah, no, go, Carlos. I don't want to chime in on Jenko too. No, go, no, no. I was just, I was just going to add to that. Like, and Jenko is absolutely right. I just don't see the bankruptcy courts, the federal system, just thwarting innovation. I just don't see that. So I agree with everything that Jenko just said. You know, I mean, they want to keep the space moving forward. Um, the great thing about this case is, or these three cases, is that we'll see all that play out. Right? Um, digital assets, custodial wallets. Yeah. Right. Uh, whether those to be liquidating service, Fidenza, right? Exactly. Auctioning it off punks. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. Another thing that I don't think enough people are talking about, but I think one of somebody raised it in the chat, like, where do you value assets? Right. Normally you value assets at the beginning of the case. Right. But I mean, these assets depreciate and appreciate in value uh, pretty much every day. Right. So we're at what point do you draw the line and say, well, we're going to 
liquidate this crypto punk as per to the uh, the value of that asset today uh, when it was two million now let's say I'm just throwing numbers out here six million when maybe when it filed bankruptcy it was worth I don't know one million right so these can are they all questions force, during these proceedings can they would a judge would a potential creditor have the opportunity to argue hey while we hash this out you know, sell that Cardano and at least put it in USD or something like can, is there an opportunity to discuss that? Yeah, absolutely. A crypto punk is at least its own asset, right? Where if the value goes up or down, that's one thing, but like a specific currency might be different. Yeah. The, uh, the judge could order a valuation hearing. Let's say we were in a situation where we were early in the bear market, right. And crypto was crashing. Um, you know, BTC was still at, I'd say 30, right? Um, but it was, it was headed downhill. The court would probably call an emergency hearing to set or determine the value of whatever the asset is be- before it pretty much goes to zero, right? Uh, so a creditor could do that for sure. It could, it could request a, an emergency motion hearing. And I think it's worth mentioning, and Jenko, I think you touched on this, this is not a failure of DeFi. So if the knee-jerk response is to come down heavy with regulation on DeFi, what happened with these two platforms and these two protocols, this is not a failure of DeFi as, as exactly. a... And, and that's the danger. The danger it's is... It's a triumph DeFi, of, of marketing. Right. It's not a failure of DeFi, but it's a triumph of somebody pretend sneaking their way in and getting called right i mean when i found out about those terms of service about the custodial deposits not being i mean pretty much you know taking customers deposits and leveraging them and then i mean the way i see those terms of service is you know they knew the type of high risk investments they were making because you don't write that in Unless you know, you know that there's a good chance that at some point in the future you may be filing bankruptcy. You know, I mean, I just yeah, that's my point. They set up to be kind of binary. Yeah, right. Going to be pretty. I mean, they were already big, but they were really going big or going home. Right, right. Literally going big or going. And I really see it as like a barbell thing, and that's why this bankruptcy it alone shouldn't be seen as bad news. But sometimes that's the headline. But in right. these specific instances, like Carlos said, like whatever they did at the end in these underhanded things and it, and just the knowledge of, hey, this was the business plan. We're taking your deposits, we're treating them a certain way, we're characterizing them a certain way, and we're going to use them a certain way to leverage and risk them. So like that's that was the plan from the beginning, as you're saying, right. they knew what they were getting, what they were planning on doing. Right. And the consumer was happy to sign on to all of this, even if they read the fine print, because, because the returns were amazing. But next time. And, right. and they were great returns. might not be. Hopefully, now, everything is great as long as the party keeps not. going. Will we ever see returns like this promised again? Was that the takeaway from this? Are, are aggressive returns like this um, that now is going to continue as a practice? I would I would probably assume so. I would just think that people would be more careful and read these terms of service, right? And then go from there. 
like like Jenko said, by beware. I don't think it's terms of service that'll be read. I think the conversation and the market will be more sophisticated. Watchdog groups, websites, blogs will easily break down the terms of service right. and categorize them for different folks and say, this is what you're getting into. And that can be a nice little cottage industry, hopefully, that kind of supports this. I think the promises will be there because there will be a new technique to get it there, like step in. Now you're walking to earn whatever it is. Which, but by the way, is up pretty just... big today. Volume is up again oh, on really? that, Janko. Yeah. Well, it's because they did a big ape drop. I love that strategy. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love that. I, I got to look. Where are we? What's the pricing? I saw NFT statistics talk about they were one of the leading uh, traded uh, NFTs with respect to their shoebox. So unclear I think why. They dropped a specific shoebox to apes. Right. And Real quick, guys. I'm trade. sorry. I don't want to cut you off, but I, I do got to climb here now. <laughs> so I got to head out. Have man. fun. Um, Thank if, you, man. If there's anyone out here that has any bankruptcy questions, man, I'll be more than happy to talk to them. Reach out to me. Follow me. You know, um, I mean, like I said, I became a bankruptcy attorney to help people. Um, I got kind of, you know, being in the field for 12 years, I got kind of specialized in Chapter 11s, right? So I deal with a lot of uh, big businesses or small and pop shops, right? Um, so if anyone out of here is uh, needs help, man, just tell them to reach out to me. Appreciate Thank you, Thank you, Carlos. Thank you for joining us. Well, the other thing that I pinned, Jenko, which is probably worth touching on a little bit, is uh, Senator Warren's letter to the SEC chair. And she proposed, and I pinned it in the nest, but she proposed and asked him to answer some very pointed questions um, do you believe that cryptocurrency exchanges are currently operating in a fair, orderly, and efficient manner? If not, what problems has the SEC identified that are associated with the use of these exchanges? And her second big question was, how do the characteristics of assets traded on cryptocurrency exchanges differ from those of assets traded on traditional security exchanges? Do these characteristics warrant additional investor and consumer protection for cryptocurrency exchanges relative to those provided? Was this like a tweet provided? or like a letter to the SEC? This is a formal letter. She wants a response back from the SEC because if the SEC, I guess, does not give them a robust enough answer as to how they're, how they're handling this, then they're going to legislate it because she's, she's kind of capitalizing on the fact that there's this crypto regulation bill pending. And then he went on and did an interview on Yahoo News where he kind of talked about how, you know, you got to trust somebody. And, uh, you know, it's a power. It seems like it's a power struggle as to who's going to regulate this space. And the SEC seems to be on the on the little bit on the defensive right now. I mean, uh, to comment on Elizabeth Warren, it's it's infused with politics like i she i don't know she takes strategic extreme positions but is it the sec's purview to determine if a cryptocurrency exchange is working efficiently or what were the other two words that you said i'm trying to pull up this well she also followed that up with describe the extent of the sec's existing authority to regulate existing currency exchanges 
So well, she's kind of questioning is, is very clear law. Well, the, it's clear law what they can regulate and can't regulate. But do they regulate the efficiency of a marketplace or the two other adjectives that you said that don't really apply? Um, I don't I, I, I don't want to I don't like digging too deep into the comments or kind of free outside of process letters by one political actor if they're not like the NLRB board member or the SEC chairman or something. So like, I'll shut up and listen, but like that just kind of gets me going. It just doesn't, it's not a fair, it's not a fair question um, to start to frame a, a, an intellectually honest conversation. I don't think. Yeah. It, it, it hits on the current um, market conditions being bad and what's being reported in the press. And he's always been, very aggressive when it comes to regulating financial uh, entities and under the under the notion of consumer protection. So it's it's to be expected that she would take this approach. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. It, it, some of it is a little bit more editorialized and perhaps not exactly on point. And fair, the, orderly, and efficient were the words. Yeah. Like, what does orderly mean? And what does that mean? Like, is eBay orderly? Is a garage sale order? Like, what? And what does the SEC have to do with that? Yeah, good questions. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he responds. I know he did give an interview with Yahoo News where he touched a little bit, but um, they haven't made a formal response yet to her letter. So, you know, do they have to? Or I don't know. If it's if it doesn't come in like through committee, does she ha do they have to? No, I think it's just a polite ask. I don't think there's any compulsion to respond. Okay. So, you know, it it's it seems we're entering a new a new phase in in the iteration of blockchain technology where we saw tremendous growth rapid expansion, Moore's law on steroids, but still we're a fractional portion of the overall uh, investor community. But now we're seeing blowback because we've had a lot of behavior that is now coming to a head, which is getting litigated in the courts, lawsuits based on consumer fraud, consumer protection, and all of this litigation is certainly going to generate precedent, which is going to impact how the industry continues to grow and develop because the restructuring of something as massive as Three Arrows is, is certainly a, a disruptor. You talked about their, their wallet, Jenko. You talked about their holdings. You talked about you know their, their me what meaningful place they held in the space and to think that they are going to see this massive restructuring and liquidation potentially. Um, I guess on the positive side of that, we'll see reallocation of those resources and maybe those resources deployed in new and innovative ways. So maybe that's a positive spin we can put on all this. Yeah, I don't see it as spin. I, I, I do think that like we're at the earliest, earliest, earliest parts of a industry, if you believe that. And so a lot of these hazy questions around the applications 
are important for for there to be fallout. It's important for the companies that were doing such activities with depositors' money to fail in a big public way. Um, so I I don't think it's it's a positive or negative spin. It's like an evolution. I think folks are growing. Once there's guardrails, once there's infrastructure, I think these regulatory concerns will iron themselves out. And like Ellie and other smart folks have said, like a lot of times you, folks will be interacting with NFTs and they won't even know they're interacting with NFTs. And that's because there's very clear lines and 99% of the use cases will be well within the guidelines where now it's the opposite because everyone's trying to innovate beyond the guidelines, trying to do something new and innovative. And that's where this regulation um, 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 chaos occurs. But if the, if, if we actually get to where we think we're going, 98% of the applications will fall clearly within the lines because that's just like the easy model and that's how you scale. So the great reckoning that we're seeing right now is sort of an essential part of the, of the growth curve. It's like when the tadpole like crawled out of the, the water before there were dinosaurs. Poles, I guess, get squished. Yeah, some of those tadpoles, I guess, get stepped on in the process, and that's just part of the part of the innovation curve. And then, you know, from my perspective, because I spend a lot of time talking about blockchain crime, I think the next unfortunate um, the next unfortunate trend is going to be after the civil litigation and after the restructuring whether law enforcement wants to key in even further on some of this behavior in the, in the space and, and start to hammer down and send clear messages with respect to the fraudulent conduct that they're seeing, which is probably the, you know, the Enron phase, I guess we'd call that of all of this. That's a good point. And I think there's jurisdictional and kind of physical barriers to that but like that's a really good point at some point there's there's criminal lines that can be crossed when you're dealing with these things and you know smart prosecutors are probably looking at all of these cases that are unfolding and uh letting the discovery process sort of play itself out and people that are not getting good advice that may have exposure may be digging themselves deeper holes by incriminating themselves further and the documents and the blockchain largely speaks for itself. So it's not a it's not a out of the realm of possibility to see that that's that's the culmination of all of this um, sort of risky behavior, landing some people squarely in line with 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 regulation, with regulatory and criminal prosecution. Sadly, but I think again it's an inevitable iteration of the technology. I think I think we're going to have an exciting few years. A lot of good things are being built. Listening to Claire this morning, that was fantastic. She said she's never going to sell her punk. She said, oh, this thing, it's going to be roaming the metaverse long after I die, directed by an AI that's informed by her, what'd she say, internet footprint. 
Can you imagine that shit? So that's that's as close to immortality. And she just said it as like an aside. She's like, oh, yeah, my punk is going to be like active in the middle metaverse, kind of based on this body of work and everything she's put out. So like. <laughs> Will's in a trust. Will's in, and, and probate lawyers like we still need to fund that. Like you got to keep. It's like um, when Marge shot, like gave all the money to her parrot or whatever. Like, <laughs> there's a lot to be done. So the next few years are going to be fascinating. So I, I just I, I can't get that image out of my head. She said it'll be roaming the metaverse long after I'm gone. Well, she's brilliant, and what she's doing, and and the groundbreaking she's work brilliant. she's doing with with AI art is is certainly exciting. Um, the idea of taking text and existing images and running them through AI to see what's generated um, is, is fascinating. One of the last things I pinned up for today is, you know, Time Magazine released and put on their cover a very, very in-depth explanation of the metaverse and the future uh, prospects of the metaverse and I, I found it to be a very, very interesting read for anyone who'd like to sort of understand. One of the things I took away from it is they described the metaverse as being a three-dimensional internet, which is a really, really cool way of describing it. And it kind of playing along with Claire's view that combining the metaverse with AI is going to give it a life of its own, which is almost kind of a Terminator-esque sort of... A, sort of a, of, of a potential use case for the metaverse that the AIs will be running her crypto punk around it's the metaverse. It's fascinating, man. No, We're actually getting there. Keith, we're getting there and, and, and it's exponentially getting quicker. Keith is an incredible leader. I, I can't get over how a cutting edge, a legacy publication, like pub, publishing is the most legacy of legacy industries. And he's he's right on the cutting edge, so that's awesome. And I think it's Matt Ball. Let me look this up. I think I remember reading it. The author's great too. Yeah, Matthew Ball. He wrote a book about the metaverse, which is good. Um, Such a well-written piece. I mean, I loved it from start to finish. And I agree with you on Keith. Um, I respect what Keith has done, and I respect his vision because coming from the stodgy traditional print media. And even though it evolved onto an online, uh, you know, what he's done with time in making it very, very relevant on the blockchain and being such a big advocate of NFTs and of artists, he's really just put himself far beyond any other, uh, I, I would think, any other print media house in the space. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, he's just so innovative. Yeah, time is huge. Time is Time owns a lot of other print, and they do a lot of publishing. They do a lot of books. They have huge staff. They are as legacy as legacy comes. And I just can't imagine what the culture change he's infusing over there and how important it is to all of what we're doing. Because like that's, that's a power center for sure. Um, and he's done in just such a kind and, and really authentic way. It's really fun to watch. And it absolutely have, is. Um, yeah. 
Aku is on the front, is on the cover there, which is another like genuine person. And Micah is a is a really cool dude. Yeah. So I think we close out today on that positive note, and uh, we just continue to all push on. And very cool. Yeah. I mean, I I I'm always always. Um, so appreciative of everyone who comes in here and shares their thoughts. Carlos was tremendous in coming in and, and lending his insights on the bankruptcy side. I think he's going to be very busy in the months and years to come. Um, thank you to everyone that joined us today. Be back at it again tomorrow. Uh, Jenko, I know you might not be able to make it in, but we'll carry on without you. Okay. All right. Well, we'll hold out. Hope you can jump in. I'll, yeah, I'll jump man in this. Late. I'll man the ship and hopefully some of our web three colleagues in the, uh, in the lawyer thread will jump in and help me. So it's not a, I, I, every time I get on these things and I'm on, all by myself, I, I, I feel like I'm in that Voltura um, Twitter spaces where I'm doing a monologue and that's just like not my thing. I don't want to do that. I always enjoy having a conversation and at least someone to bounce off of. So um I hope we get, uh, I hope we get, I see all the smiley faces out there from you Web3 lawyers. So hopefully if your schedules permit, you can join us tomorrow. I'm sure there'll be new bombshells to talk about as always. Um, to everyone who joined us today, enjoy the rest of your day. Keep hustling, keep building, and, uh, and we'll do this again soon. Thank you, Jenko, as always, man. I Thanks, always enjoy Carla. talking with you.